0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, May 31st, 2020, we conclude our series titled Live Different: The Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, The Sermon on the Move, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 29. Enjoy. Good morning, church. It is great to be with you. You know, I am starting to miss you guys. It's not that I'm just starting now. I've actually been missing you for a couple of months, and I look forward to the day where we can be together in person again. But for now, go ahead, grab your Bibles. We are back in the Sermon on the Mount, our study, Live Different, the study of the greatest sermon ever given by the greatest teacher to ever teach. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave. It's found in Matthew chapter five through chapter seven. And today we're actually gonna close our study. We've been in this series since the beginning of January. That's four months working, five months working through the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we're gonna come to Matthew chapter seven verses 24 through 29. So grab a Bible, I'm gonna read it for us, and then we're gonna hop in. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let me pray. God, though it's my voice that's been heard, we know it's your word that's been spoken. And this morning, we trust your word, uh, your teaching as the authority for our life. God, this morning we're not um, studying someone else's sermon, we're not studying some other pastor's sermon, we are studying, studying a sermon that you gave that should make a huge difference in our life. God, as you give us a unique challenge this morning to put all of these words into practice, to not just be astonished at them, but to put them into action, Holy Spirit, I ask for your help in doing these things. We know that we will only be able to do them with your help. God, would everything we do and say this morning be done for your glory and your glory alone. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, you'll notice right off the bat in the beginning of this passage, Jesus says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine, now he's not just referring to this this last passage he's been teaching through, he's referring to his entire sermon on the mount. So where I want to start us this morning is with review. I want to make sure we understand the words of mine, the words of Jesus that he's been teaching through. So do me a favor and rewind to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. If I was going to summarize all of chapter five in just a few words, I'd summarize it like this: Christian character and conduct. Christian character and conduct. Matthew chapter five began with the beatitudes. These are attitudes that Christ is calling us uh, to put put into play in our own life. They're attitudes He's asking us to be. And when we look at these attitudes, they're very different from the attitudes and characteristics, the, the, the character qualities, the personal traits that we see uh, people in our lives today. Look at verse three, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are those who mourn. It's those who are grieved by their sinful actions. Blessed are the meek. It's blessed are those who are humble. In verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, these aren't typically the people in our lives that we see as blessed, and these aren't typically the people and the quality traits that we would like to see um, out there in the world in people's lives, but this is what Christ is calling us to. This is the character that Christ is calling us to have. It also has to do with our conduct. Multiple times in chapter five, Jesus has said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. He says, this is the teaching you knew, this is the teaching you've understood, but then Jesus actually cranks that dial and turns it up to 10 and makes it even harder. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Great, just don't kill people. I think we can handle that. I think I can manage that. And then Jesus says, but I say to you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So it's not just about not murdering people, it's about treating people correctly. You don't just have to take someone's life physically. Jesus says you can take their life verbally. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now that one just makes sense. I get it, love the people who are nice to me, hate the people who aren't. But Jesus in verse 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies." and pray for those who persecute you. It's not just about loving the nice people and hating the bad people, it's loving everyone. That's what Christ has called us to. He's called us to a higher standard. He's called us to live different when it comes to our character and our conduct. We get to chapter six. I would uh, summarize chapter six with having correct motivations. Correct motivations. Chapter six, verse one Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, and here's the motivation, in order to be seen by them. Right? Are we doing things um, so others can see us do them? Or are we doing things for that audience of one? Are we doing things for God's glory? or Are we doing things for our own glory? Are we doing things to build God's kingdom? Or are we doing things to build our own kingdom? Chapter 6 verse 2 says, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. When, when you give, don't, don't give so people see you. Verse 5, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. What did they do? They would pray so people would hear their big lofty prayers full of big fancy words and people would see them and say, wow, that guy is just so spiritual. That guy must be such a good follower of God and Jesus says don't be like them when you pray pray like this that's where we see the Lord's Prayer verse 16 he says and when you fast don't look gloomy like the hypocrites don't fast to call attention to yourself we're supposed to do things to bring God glory we're supposed to do things to expand God's kingdom not our own kingdom when we get to chapter 7 this might be a cop-out it's not I would summarize it as conclusion As Jesus begins concluding his sermon, I'd put it in two different things. Be different and beware. Be different and beware. Chapter seven, verse uh, 13, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. He uses this word many a few times in this chapter. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, and Jesus is saying, be different, Don't be like them, and then beware, beware of what. Well, you get to verse fifteen. Beware of false prophets. Beware of people with bad motives who are coming in to disrupt the unity and the church. Who who are coming in um, to preach false doctrines? And Jesus even says these people might not be easy to spot right away because they they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. They actually look like the people who are in the church. Now, Jesus covers a lot of ground in his Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the Beatitudes, character, conduct. He talks about correct motivations. He talks about us being different. He talks about us uh, needing to beware of false doctrines and false prophets who might come into the church. And then we get to our passage today, 24 through 29, and Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine... Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Now, what we're going to see in this passage is there's, there's, there's two different people. Okay, there's, there's a wise man and a fool. And both of them hear the same words of Jesus. Only one of them puts them into practice, only one of them actually takes action. Read, let's read this real quick one more time and, and look for similarities and differences along the way. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, it's important to note Jesus is teaching using parable here. Uh, it's teaching a spiritual truth through like a, a, a word picture or a story uh, that Jesus would tell. And let me uh, give you a, a, quick, a quick clue and a hint and an invite to what's coming up here in the summer. In the summer, we are going to be doing our entire series on parables. We're gonna be looking at parables all summer long and we're going to be doing it as a family. I would love for you to make sure you prioritize that as a family and be here as much as you can to study through the parables with us. Now there's three things that you'll probably notice very quickly these houses have in common and and these houses, that we're not talking about physical houses. Remember Jesus is teaching using parable. He's talking about people. He's talking about real lives. The first thing these people have in common is the message. Everyone who hears these words, both in verse 24 and verse 26, everyone then who hears these words of mine, verse 24, then verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone here is going to get the same building instructions. Everyone here is getting the same blueprints. No one's getting some secret insider knowledge. Uh, No one is getting like secret instruction from a different builder. Both of them get same instructions from the same master builder. So they have that in common. You could also say they have their location or their appearance in common. You know, the, the last two weeks, what we've seen is that there's people who look like the church. There's people who, uh, they, they kind of pose and pretend to be a part of the church, but in reality, they're not a part of the church. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They, they look the part, they play the part, but in all reality, Jesus says, it's not true. They're, they're posing, they're posers. I did this as a, a junior high kid. All my friends would skateboard and you can take one look at me and realize that I probably don't belong on a board. Um, but I tried it. I'd put on cool camo pants and, and do everything that all my friends did because I wanted to look the part and play the part, but I didn't belong. And this is what Jesus talks about. There's There's people who look the same in in our church. There's people who sit in the same service. There's people who listen to the same message. There's people who drive similar cars. Their kids are involved in similar activities. We have people who quote the same Bible verses and people who sing the same worship songs. From the outside looking in, the home, the life looks the same. But Jesus says there's a very distinct difference. See, doing the right thing doesn't make you righteous. Doing the right thing doesn't make you righteous. And this is what some of these people were doing. They were just trying to do the right thing. Matthew chapter five, verse 20, let me read it to you real quick. Uh, it says this: "For I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to the crowd. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." Unless your righteousness exceeds that of some of the most righteous and spiritual religious people that you know, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, it's it's this thing that leads people to try to do the right thing so that they can become righteous. But friends, we don't do right things to become righteous. We've been made righteous, so we do right things. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, there's this verse talking about Jesus, and it says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I might become his righteousness we talk about it as the great exchange right there's nothing I can do there's nothing I can say in order to gain the righteousness of God Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says no one is righteous no not one so we're in a little bit of a predicament here do I just go through my life trying to do right things to be made righteous or do I trust someone else to make me righteous and then go and do right things? It's the message of the gospel. I believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life that I couldn't live, that he came and died a death that you and I deserve to die and when I trust in his saving and redeeming work he did on the cross that I believe he came back to, to life to defeat death, defeat sin, defeat the, defeat the grave, then and only then can I become Righteous. We can't sit in church and play church. We can't put on our nice church clothes and put on our nice church face and try to do all the right church things, all of the right things in order to become righteous. We need to trust in someone else to make us righteous. And because we've been made righteous, then and only then do we do the right things. These people's appearance even looked the same. You can even say the storm was the same. The storm was the same. In fact, um, Jesus uses the same words for the storm. He says, the rain falls, floods came, winds blew and beat against that house. Both houses experience the same storm. And we know in life, we oftentimes have storms and trials. This is oftentimes what the Bible talks about when it's talking about trial and storm. Uh, James chapter one, verses two through four says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, I love that word various because we can pretty much fit anything inside of it that we want to. There's all types of trials that go on in our life. In fact, some people say you're either in a trial, exiting a trial, or about to enter in to another trial. I know for many of us right now, we've been enduring through the trial of COVID-19, some in different ways than others, but each of us have had to endure this test, endure this trial in our own unique and various ways. Verse three says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now here's the deal. When you have a firm foundation, trials develop you. When you have a firm foundation, trials develop you. When you don't have a firm foundation, trials can destroy you. And that's the difference between these two houses. The difference between these two houses is the foundation. They hear the same message. They're in the same location. They look the same. They learn from the same teacher. They even experience the same storm, but only one house, only one life is left standing. It's a foundational issue. And, and what we know, there's all types of foundational issues in our society, you know, one type of foundational issue is that some say no foundation's necessary at all. We just don't need a foundation. That's one of the foundational issues in our society. Another foundational issue is that people say any foundation will do it all. So we have one group saying you don't need a foundation and another group saying you can just pick any foundation and you'll be fine, but here we have Jesus saying there's one firm foundation. There's one firm foundation, and we often overlook the foundation and oftentimes um, we realize we have a foundational issue once it's too late because things begin to fall apart. I think through uh, the TV shows my wife and I like to watch and this is speaking to the house illustration that Jesus is using. We like to watch that HGTV stuff. Uh, it's the Chip and Joanna Gaines and the Fixer Upper and, and the Flip It or Sell It and all these different things. Um, I've never watched a sh- I've seen Property Brothers. You've probably seen that show. Um, there is no show called Foundation Brothers because that would just be boring. It'd be boring to have a show where two guys show up and say, hey, we're just going to check out the foundation and then they leave because that's not our focus. Our focus is typically on the floor up Right? We look at the frames, we look at the paint, we look at the function of everything. We typically don't look at the foundation until we think we like everything else. In a house, you typically discover foundational issues once it's too late. And it's not just the big storms. Oftentimes, it can just be a busted leaky faucet or a broken sink. And that damage over a long period of time left unchecked can have catastrophic results on your whole life. And Jesus says there's a major foundational difference here. One foundation's sand and one foundation is bedrock. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the rock. On the sand. So we have one foundation rock, one foundation sand. And this kind of sounds like a no brainer when we really think about it, right? If I was going to ask you, if I brought you out to two properties, both of them had the same view, same corner, everything was great. One foundation was just sand, and one foundation was like hard bedrock, and I asked you, which one do you want to build on? It, it kind of sounds like a no brainer. We know which one is better to build on, but when it comes to us submitting our life to someone and submitting uh, our, our lives to someone as Lord, we, we have extreme difficulty in doing that. And they would have got the connection here. See, uh, in the summer months in the Middle East, the desert sand during the summer when it gets super hot, not a lot of rain, it, it would look rock hard, right? So it's, it's, it's not so much that the foolish builder um, knew he was building on a bad foundation. He thought it looked good, he thought it looked right. He thought it looked like the right thing to do. But, but the issue would come, this, this hard-packed sand, when, when rain would happen, it would start to wash everything away. So Jesus says, man, you gotta do the work. See, because back in the day, when they were building foundations for these homes in the Middle East, they would dig below the sand until they found bedrock, which is the literal translation for the word rock here. It's the one who puts in the work to do the hard work to actually establish their life on a firm foundation. And Jesus says the only way that firm foundation is laid is through obedience. He said it doesn't come through hearing. doesn't even come through understanding. It comes through doing the words that Jesus said. We have a couple of phrases we use in our house with our kids when it comes to obedience. One of those is listen and, and then we'll let them fill it in. Listen and obey right away. Listen and obey right away. It's a clear expectation that our kids know we have of them. It's that when mom and dad talk, you're supposed to obey. I don't just need you to listen. I don't just need you to hear. I don't even need you to just understand. I need you to listen, I need you to hear, I need you to understand, and then I need you to obey. I need you to go and do it. And this is the same expectation that Jesus has of us. Oftentimes we don't like this. We don't want to get trapped in this legalistic thing where we're doing the right things for the sake of doing the right things. But if we're gonna call him Lord, it means we're listening and obeying what he tells us to do. Luke chapter six, verse 46, Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? It's just so inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. You call me Lord, but, but you don't follow my commands. In 1 John chapter two, verses four through six, it says this, whoever says, I know him, I know him, I have a relationship with him, I love him, I care for him, I know him, But does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If we don't obey him, we don't know him. If we don't listen to him, he's not our Lord. Jesus isn't just teaching here for information transfer. Jesus is teaching for life transformation. Let me say that again. Jesus isn't teaching here for information transfer. Jesus is teaching for life transformation. It's not enough that we just know what he's saying. It's not enough that we just hear what he's saying. It's not enough that we just understand what he's saying. Jesus says, you need to obey. You need to put it into practice. In hearing and doing the words of Jesus, we can establish a firm foundation, like the wise man established a firm foundation on the rock. We can build our lives, our priorities, our households, our families, our businesses on the only unshakable ground that there is. And when we do this, we can agree with the psalmist in Psalm 62, verse two, where he says this, he alone is my rock, And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. He alone is my rock and my refuge. I will not be greatly shaken. Those are the two responses we can have. We can either listen or we can listen and obey. Are we going to hear the words of Jesus or are we going to hear and do the words of Jesus? Let's look at the next verse, verse 28, where we see the reaction of the crowd to this Sermon on the Mount. And we're actually gonna look at verse one in chapter eight too to get the full picture of what their reaction is. Verse 28 says this, and when Jesus finished these sayings, this whole Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Chapter eight, verse one says, and when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. See, f- one group here, they're, they're astonished. They're astonished. This is amazing. I've never heard someone teach like this. I've never heard the things that, that Jesus is saying. But I mean, you have heard, but I say unto you. I mean, he's clearly making some new things that, that, that they hadn't heard before. I mean, he's given them a different way to live their life and it causes them to be astonished. This other group, chapter eight, verse one, it says the crowds, many followed him. They they seemingly accepted him. But both of those reactions, being astonished and accepting, they're appropriate, but they're entirely insufficient. They're appropriate for us, but they're entirely insufficient, Jesus isn't preaching here to wow us. He's not preaching so we can look back on his sermon and be like, wow, what a fantastic sermon. It's the best sermon I've ever heard. He teaches way better than the guy down the street. He teaches way better than the guys that I grew up with. That's not his motivation. Astonishment, great Not enough. Accepting, great, not enough. What does Jesus want and what does Jesus require? Jesus requires action. Jesus requires action. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Friends, we can't just listen to Jesus' sermon. I mean, I suppose you could. That's exactly the point that Jesus is making. If you wanna just listen to it, I suppose you can, but you're not gonna get anything out of it. If you wanna just listen to it, you can play the part. You can look like someone who belongs to the community. You can look like someone in the church. You can try to do all the right things, trying to earn your own righteousness and your own salvation. None of that's gonna work. None of it's gonna work. The only way that you and I live different. The only way that you and I become the people God has called us to be is listening, understanding, and obeying. Not just, wow, what a great sermon. Not just, okay, I'll listen to more, but total submission and responding in action. The Sermon on the Mount wasn't meant to be left on the mountain. The Sermon on the Mount is left to move you and I to go do something with what Jesus has said. So let me ask you a couple of questions as, as we close. Um, how will you respond? How will you respond? I know we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground studying Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, but this is Jesus' question. How are you gonna respond? Are you gonna be like the fool who, who hears the teaching but then just goes on living your life like you lived before? Are you going to be like the wise man who hears the teaching of Jesus and then obeys and follows, implements, takes action, and does the things that Jesus has called us to do? This is the only way to build a storm proof life. And I don't mean a storm free life. Storm free does not exist, storm proof does exist. This is what Jesus says, if you want a life that can be built on the firm foundation of the truth of Jesus, Jesus' teaching and who Jesus was, obedience, the only way to build a storm-proof life is by doing the things that Christ has called us to do. Simply hearing these words is not enough. Simply being astonished at these words is not enough. You and I need to take action and obey the things that Christ has called us to do. Then and only then can we live the lives that are different, live the lives that Jesus has called us to live for his glory and his glory alone. You know, we're gonna take action even this morning. We're gonna take action together by partaking in communion um, with each other. I'd encourage you, uh, if you don't have that stuff ready, go ahead and run to your kitchen, your pantry, wherever you gotta go. Grab some juice, some wine, some crackers, some biscuits, some bread, some bread, um, whatever you're gonna use this morning to take communion, um, you can even push pause on the service now um, or just continue while, while I speak in the background. We're gonna have a song playing in just a moment here to prepare our hearts for communion. I love communion. In communion, we're able to do three things. One thing we get to do, we get to look back When I say look back, we get to look back at the work that Christ has done for us. We get to remember that it's not just about us doing the right things to try to become righteous, it's that Jesus came and did something for us so you and I can be righteous. It's an opportunity for us with gratitudes in our hearts to thank God for making a way for us to have right relationship with him and then praise him. We look back, we also look in. We look into our own hearts, we look at our own lives and right now, this would be a great opportunity for you to look in your own heart pertaining to the things that we've studied in the Sermon on the Mount and just ask God, say, hey, Spirit, would you just show me something? Would you show me something where I'm wrong in in my heart? Would you show me some area of my life where I need to be different, where I need to live different? Uh, Would you just bring something to my memory, bring something to my mind, something that Christ taught here in the Sermon on the Mount that I need to not just listen to, but actually do, Communion gives us a chance to look in and do just that. And then thirdly and finally, it gives us a chance to look forward and and look for and long for the day when you and I get to be reunited with Jesus perfectly, face to face, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more trial. Perfect communion and harmony with Jesus. So if you don't have your stuff to take communion, I'd encourage you go ahead and grab the elements and we'll be back in just a few moments. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples and during a meal, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he said, "This." Cup is a new covenant of my blood. Every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we do want to live lives that are different. We don't want to keep going through the motions, God. We don't want to just do right things for the sake of doing right things, God. We know that you have made a way for us to be righteous through your son, Jesus, that he came and took our sin and freely gave us His righteousness, God, because we've been made righteous, would we then go and do the things that you've called us to do? Would we go and live the lives that you have called us to live? God, we don't just want to be hearers of the word in this Sermon on the Mount. We want to be the doers of these words on the Sermon on the Mount. And would we do those things for your glory and your glory alone? Highlands Church, may each of us not just be hearers of the word when it comes to this great sermon from jesus would you and i be doers of the word and in doing so build our lives on the firm foundation the only firm foundation there is the foundation of christ and would that be done for his glory and for his glory alone